Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fun Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fun Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at funboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. Hello and welcome to this podcast, part of the Fun Boards Council INED Bootcamp 2021. In this session, we're going to be talking about ESG and more specifically, the governance of ESG initiatives and the extent to which asset management firms are turning the ESG lens in on themselves and applying the same ESG scrutiny to their own business as their fund managers do to their investments. We know from speaking to our own members that this is something many are spending quite a bit of time on, but today we thought it'd be very interesting to get a perspective from across the broader asset management industry. And who better to talk to about this than a journalist who specialises in covering these topics? Natalie Kenway is a journalist covering the retail asset management industry. She's been doing that for for 15 years or so. Uh, She's now the global head of ESG Insight at Last Word Media and editor of ESG Clarity. And she's got a particular passion for supporting greater diversity in the investment and savings sector, a topic that we're going to come on and talk about in this podcast. Earlier this year, ESG Clarity launched their campaign for better governance to encourage and indeed to help businesses within the investment community to continue to strive for better corporate governance. And we're going to be hearing a little bit more about that later on as well. Natalie, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for inviting me along. It's great to talk to you. Let's start a little bit by talking about the the theme of that campaign and what prompted you to set it up. We've obviously heard a lot about ESG investing over the last few years and and with it, obviously, the scrutiny that fund managers are putting on the ESG credentials of the securities that they hold in in their portfolios. From your perspective across the industry, to what extent are asset management firms using that same scrutiny and that same ESG lens on their own businesses, the same way that their fund managers might be doing so on the companies in which they invest? Yes, I think going back over the past year, if we look at at companies in general, the pandemic has caused many companies to look inwardly and the S part of ESG has become more prominent. Companies are looking at their supply chains, how their employees were looked after, they had the PPE, whether they were looked after working from home, whether their customers were looked after. And and in, in asset management, we've seen more groups commit to various initiatives to make sure that they are adhering to ASG principles and committing into that net zero transition. So there's groups that have signed up to Climate Action 100 so that they might, as investors, ensure that some of the world's largest greenhouse gas emitters take necessarily action on climate change. We've also more recently seen the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative. It was launched in November, but now there's 73 signatories signed up and... That means a third of the world's asset management is now committed to um, net zero by 2050. And there's all sorts of different plans in place with climate plans, transparency, decarbonisation goals, engagement strategies. So there's lots of progress being made in terms of groups looking inwardly and what they need to be doing to ensure that they are practising what they preach. But there have been several red flags over the past year as well. So um, not only did we have a fund manager trying to re-enter the industry, even though lots of the money that he had invested on behalf of investors in previous years had still not been returned to them. 
the Hampton Alexander report, which was trying to improve women representation on boards over the past five years, it showed that there's been some progress, but there was still a high number of asset managers with all male exec teams and very low women representation on boards. So we've got ESG fund ranges being run by all white from male fund management teams and then multi-asset teams saying that they consider diversity in their fund selection, but not having diversity in the senior management of the company they work for. So this kind of, sort of sparked us, the ESG Clarity and the editors of the other last web media titles, to have a chat about maybe perhaps there's something we can do to, to highlight this. So we came up with the campaign for better governance across the investment management industry. And it's not about calling people out or shaming groups. It's about highlighting best practice and where groups need to improve basically we've covered a few stories on companies introducing joint parental leave or paid care leave so that their employees can can be paid while they look after elderly relatives for example so there is there's lots of positive things happening as well but it's just to ensure that the the industry is practicing what it preaches and we've had such good feedback for the and support for the campaign it's really pleasing to see that we're on the same page as a lot of people in the industry Yes, and, it's, and I mean, as you say, this, these are topics and uh, discussions that are happening right across the industry. And, and I wondered to what extent you felt that another key initiative that's been happening around governance in the last year or so, the Assessment of Value initiative, do you see that as a sort of catalyst or an opportunity for firms to better articulate that the, the work that they're doing, not only in overseeing investments from an ESG perspective, but also on the work that they're doing internally and the value that that brings to end investors? Yes, I must admit, I haven't looked at these as much, but um, I think if groups are starting to look at incorporating their ESG credentials and how it's adding value into these assessments of value, it's got to be a positive thing. It's got to be proving that some of the groups aren't just paying lip service and filling their marketing brochures with something that's a real bugbear of mine. ESG is in our DNA. (laughs) I hear it so many times, I can't believe that some groups are still using it, but... um, if, if they're, they're highlighting the, how ESG credentials or high ESG credentials are adding to a fund's value, then it's surely it's got to be a good thing. And we're, we're seeing in, the, in Europe, they have SFDR, where groups need to be labelling their funds with their Article 6, 8 or 9 from non-sustainable to slightly sustainable. Or the overarching objective is to be sustainable and transition that, that commits into that transition to a net zero future. So I guess for for us in the UK to have a a, a common framework where investors can look at a a document and compare and contrast, we, we would like to think that that would be really useful. There is a concern that as it's not a requirement, the only groups that will be doing it are the ones that are good at it mm. so it would be good to see um, a more collective effort and I dare I say it I don't think anyone in the industry would have called for more regulation although I have heard that on the um, ESG side it's the only area where we need more regulation because there is a lack of clarity around certain labels and definitions so maybe if there is a requirement to put add these so the assessments of value or labeling the funds like the SFDR, then perhaps that would make it easier for investors to compare and contrast and see where whether the value is being added with these ESG principles. And it's interesting, isn't it? To, to what extent do you think that 
some of that pressure to to provide that extra clarity might be coming from, if not end investors themselves, then intermediaries and, um, you know, the clients of, of many asset management firms. To what extent do you think that pressure is is coming externally or, there, or do you think that's something that will happen more over time? It's a it's a weird one because I think intermediaries have been slower and advisors even even slower in terms of picking up ESG and it has been driven by the end investor or we have we've seen it from the institutional side but that they have very much been thinking about investing from an ESG approach for quite some time now so the intermediary side it's definitely definitely picking up from the conversations I've had with discretionary fund managers they are not happy just to have a fund put in front of them by the salesperson for analysis. They want to know about the ESG practices. They want to know about the ESG practices across the business. If it's run by a diverse team, what is the corporate culture like? I've heard lots of them say they want to see ESG integration across the business rather than just this sideline of ESG funds or here's our UK equities range and oh, and here's our UK equities ESG range. It's been said to me it's almost a disservice to have just a dedicated ESG range and ignore it across the rest of the business. I mean, what does that really say about your credibility in terms of ESG investing? I think it's definitely changing. And with the younger generation that are more considerate of the planet and society. So once these start moving further up the scale, I mean, it's not that I'm not saying anything new. People know this is this is going to happen. I definitely see an acceleration in this and more intermediaries been responding to client demand and coming to the asset managers and saying that we want ESG integrated across the mainstream, not just some some funds on the side. I'd like to change tack a little bit now, if I may, and just um, you, you mentioned this earlier on the fact that there is a need to to support greater diversity. And this is obviously a, a topic that is really important for fund boards. There's obviously been a notable desire from the regulator and, and indeed vocal commentary in publications such as yours for a need for greater cognitive diversity across mm-hmm. boards fun boards and um, and this sort of seems to have been taken up as the challenge by many boards by improving their gender balance so indeed we've just seen in the latest um, fun boards council ined survey that about two-thirds of fund board directors felt that their board is is focusing attention on achieving a good gender balance and and i wondered from your perspective as someone who's reported extensively on diversity issues in asset management do you, do you get a sense that that focus is actually leading to to real change when it comes to gender diversity on fund boards more broadly across the industry we're certainly seeing it amongst our our members but i wondered whether you're seeing that more broadly across the industry i mean yes i i think it's it's similar to what i've said already in terms of the change is happening, but the pace is extremely slow. And that's uh, with ESG, with diversity, with lots of things. And we understand that change doesn't happen overnight. And we know that some of these board members, they serve around 10 years, I think it's on, on average. So we're not going to get this real, really fast change, but we would like to see the pace pick, being picked up a bit. We would like to ideally get to a place where one, if one woman stands down from the board, it doesn't mean that diversity disappears. If we had gender parity and one woman stands down, there will still be diversity. I, I think happens in Alexander Review showed that the number of women on FTSE boards increased by 50% over the past years, but almost a third of FTSE 100 companies have not met the 33% target of women on boards over five years. 
I mean, if we're not asking for 50% over five years, it's 30, a third of your board. So yeah, it, it, is, it is frustratingly slow still. But as you mentioned, there is this focus and it is, it, it is really helping. And in our March digital magazine, I wrote a piece on the NASDAQ stock exchange. It has proposed requiring any company that lists on the stock exchange to have at least one woman and one ethnic minority on its boards. So that shows the direction of the travel. That stock exchange is saying to you, you need diversity for the future of your business, for your future success. And the, the feedback for that has been really positive. It's been welcomed. So I'm hoping if we see more of that, companies that have such a big oversight, like the NASDAQ Stock Exchange, proposing these rules, but putting these rules in place, then others will follow. And fund boards as well. See, we're seeing all these changes in other places. We need to do this ourselves. And of course, gender diversity, all of those steps forward are, are welcomed, of course, but it's only one part of the picture, isn't it? And I suppose mm. we know certainly from, from the INED survey that we conducted that de directors are somewhat less positive about the progress that's been made when it comes to diversity in terms of race, for example. Now, I know that you guys um, at ESG Clarity partnered with the Reboot campaign a while back to, to sort of shine a spotlight on, mm. on some of the journeys of successful ethnic minority professionals who've risen to, to very senior positions. I wondered what learnings you'd taken from that initiative that, that particularly are relevant to, to fund or indeed corporate boards. Mm. Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic to be able to post these articles, share these articles. I'm honoured that Reboots decided to partner with ESG Clarity, and we're also sharing the content with another one of our sister titles, um, Diversity Q. Yeah, and the, the articles have been very humbling to read. Obviously, the mood around this has shifted a gear with the Black Lives Matter gaining headlines last year. It's, it's provoked a fresh assessment of the issues and hopefully a lot of positive change for ethnic minorities. But we, we are seeing a lot of the ethnic minorities stand up and talking about their experiences where they may have felt that they much more uncomfortable to do before. So I'm hoping that given this spotlight, the way we are able to on ESG Clarity and Diversity Q will mean that other ethnic minority professionals are reading these articles and it inspires them to push their careers on. And um, something that stood out to me is um, Ronnie Alualia at Invesco wrote in his article, be yourself, be authentic, be persistent, go against stereotypes. Don't be afraid to be innovative and build new skills, not ask for feedback from mentors or colleagues and succeed so that in turn, you can mentor the next generation. I mean, what, what a statement. If I think that applies to anybody joining the industry, but especially ethnic minorities and women. If everybody did this, then I, I mean, how, how, much, how much more improvements would we see? How much more innovation and also returns for everybody? It just, it, it seems like a no brainer, but we're, we're a long way off that. Yeah, certainly a very powerful sentiment, isn't it? And, and, and a lot of this, I presume, comes down to, to culture in a lot of firms, too. I mean, you're, I've seen articles that you've written recently about um, a lot of firms are thinking about culture as part of their overall ESG approach. But they're sort of creating this kind of ESG plus C type um, approach. So it's, mm -hmm. it's important. Culture is an important part of how they're thinking about ESG, but somewhat distinct from. Um, and I guess there's two elements to that, isn't there? There's one about, you know, how firms are looking at the culture of the firms in which they're investing in. So the underlying securities in their portfolios, but also how they're thinking about their own culture as asset management firms and the culture of their boards. 
We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15 minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.